Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode number 15 of Positions Net. I'm your host, Grant Peters, the founder of Auto Racing Analytics and now also data analytics guy for Legacy Motor Club. Uh, joining me this week is Ben Amato, a mechanical engineering student and Legends Card driver. Ben, what are you thinking about that Darlington race, man? I love tracks with tire wear where it's difficult to pass, but in the best way possible. And that pretty much sums up my weekend. Yeah, I love Darlington. I think it's a great track. Uh, I thought the race was pretty good this weekend. Um, I thought we had some aero issues, I think, with passing uh, that I kind of expected to see. It wasn't anything um, like immobilizing, but it was definitely, I think, a, a little, little bit of a step down to me um, compared to some of the previous Darlington races, but still definitely a good race overall. Some of the drama at the end definitely helped to make that race a little bit more appealing. Yeah, I hadn't planned on starting right in at this part, but actually, change of plans, we're going to go straight into this as because you bring it up, the arrow stuff, of just how the race was as a whole and how could we could potentially improve it. Because I noticed something this weekend that's very crucial, and it's quite simple. Ben, when did all the passing happen besides on restarts? Yeah, um, that's the thing. I don't, I don't really know that there was much passing outside of restarts. Whoa, whoa, whoa. See, this is where we disagree. There was plenty of passing. We just had to wait for the tires to be completely shot. That's true. Yeah. That is true, yes. So we get to that last 15 laps of a run when the tires are just toasted, and all of a sudden people can pass. So how do we get to that window sooner? We need less tire, guys. If we just start with less grip in the car and then have tire wear on top of that, also known as making these things harder to drive, I think we're going to see a race that was pretty darn good be even better. I, I just, I don't, it's starting to get frustrating because I just don't think it's that complicated. I mean, it is, but I, I don't think it needs to be this complicated, you know? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I agree. I think if you could see a bit more tire wear than what we saw uh, this weekend, because yeah, there was there was definitely a good amount of tire wear, you know, more than we saw at a lot of the other tracks we've been to so far this year. But that's what you expect out of Darlington. And I don't think we saw the same kind of fall off uh, this week uh, that we typically would see in years past with other generations of race car, right? So I think if we can get back to that level of tire fall off that we would typically see in years past, and you know, the two thousands and the twenty tens. Um, I think we see a much better race at Darlington that I think, in my opinion, kind of got saved by the late race chaos. Well, and I don't disagree with you, but I think that I don't think that the tire wear is really a problem. I think on most tracks, we do have a tire wear problem where the tires just don't wear enough. But this weekend, the tire wear, I feel like wasn't bad. There could always be more. Mm -hmm. um, but I do feel like it was a pretty good amount. I'm just saying we need less grip to start with. We need a, a groove tire. We need a smaller tire. We need something with just less grip in general to start the race. Um, and I feel like that is going to, to make a world of difference if we just have less grip in the beginning. Because I feel like that's what's, present, that's what's preventing so much passing is because we just got so much grip in these things that the difference is between a bad corner and a good corner is just so minimal. And driver mistakes are not very prevalent 
deeply in the runs because it's just they're not on the edge of control enough. It's it's too easy to drive these cars, which is I mean, it's saying something. But like, you know what I mean? The cars are really hard to put on the edge of control because that edge is so narrow, which is a good thing. I just think that we need to get to that edge sooner. You know, there's got to be more off throttle time. Yeah, for sure. And I think right uh, what you said right at the end there, more off throttle time. I think that's really the key to a lot of this. Um, I think the the mid corner speeds right now are just they're really, really high with this car. Right. Because you're not seeing drivers really have to do a lot of slowing down. Right. Like the the issue is not necessarily about like top speed um, as much as it is drivers having to get off the throttle. Right. That's what made the racing so great. Um, you know, in years past was just, uh, when you had enough off throttle time, cause you had s- s- X amount of power, right. And you had X amount of downforce that forced the drivers to have to slow down a certain amount. Um, when you get that, you know, ratio, so to speak, uh, correct. And you have drivers really have to slow the cars down to get into the corner. That's where you can see drivers start to have a little bit more say in the overall speed of the car. And, you know, it becomes a little bit less aero dependent just because of the fact that you do have to slow the car down more, right? And it, it's more opportunity for drivers to flip the rears and, you know, make a mistake and lose speed. Yeah, yeah, that's all so true stuff right there. We just, we need less grip in these cars in general. Um, I think we're all in agreement on that. How to do it is up for debate. I think aerodynamically isn't the best move. I really think that we need to start with uh less tire on these cars and i think mm-hmm. that a decrease in the amount of downforce being generated by the rear diffuser would be nice but i don't think it's a necessity i feel like tires are the starting point um also just to touch on the on the tire wear thing one last time how did you feel about the tire wear at kansas a week ago because i felt like that tire wear was very solid yeah, I, uh, especially for the what we'd seen for some of the other intermediate tracks, like the mile and a half this year, I thought that actually was a pretty solid amount of uh, fall off. I think it was in the neighborhood of like one and a half to two seconds of fall off, which yeah, is pretty so I, solid. I have it in front of me right now. Um, the tire wear at uh, Darlington amounted to what ended up being 11.5%. And at Kansas, it was 4.8%. I'm pulling up Las Vegas right now um, because that's a race that I feel like is very, very mid on tire wear. I feel like we could just see a bit more there, really. So this is interesting. What, what the data is telling me is that, le- that, uh, that Las Vegas actually had more tire wear than Kansas. Maybe I'm not interpreting this correctly, but it's saying that Las Vegas tire wear was closer to the range of 7%. Darlington was around 11 and a half and Kansas was roughly, uh, what did I say? 4.8. So mm-hmm. it's, I think it's all affected as well by Kansas. The tire wear forces you to move around on the track and Las Vegas, maybe it's just slowing you down and Darlington, there's only so much space you can go to. Um, but yeah, overall, I think we're starting to figure this car out. We just, we just need it with less grit. Yeah. Yeah, no, and I mean, going back to what you were just talking about there, I think a lot more of what made that Kansas race so great was less to do with tire wear and more to do with the fact that you had legitimate, um, you know, multi-groove racing, right? Because we know this car, the wake directly behind the car is really strong, 
Uh, it's really concentrated. So you lose a lot of downforce when you're directly behind someone. But if you can just poke a headlight out and get some clean air on just a part of that front fascia area and get some of that downforce back, that's when you see guys able to kind of make up time on the driver in front of them. Right. And so I think that really is what made that Kansas race so great. That, the hot track, having the drivers slide around, even though it wasn't really chewing up the tires a ton. Um, they're still sliding around, still able to run different lines. I think that's what made Kansas so great. Yeah, yeah, I think I think you're spot on there. And I think it's interesting too, because Darlington's one of those tracks where I I'm a I'm a huge fan of multi-groove racing. And I feel like it's very important that every single track we build right now needs to be done with variable banking. Um a lot of people are anti-new Bristol. I have no problem with the Bristol that is multi-groove and borderline top dominant but that's a hot take for another day um but like you think about kansas you think about homestead las vegas to a certain extent as well every track needs to be built like this but there's a certain place that that darlington still fits in despite the fact that it has it is nothing like those tracks and that's what makes it so great is it's entirely unique and borderline makes no sense it's just its own strange beast and it's great it's great um it should just be left that way forever and eat up tires and confuse drivers for the rest of eternity. Um, but that being said, let's actually get into some of the stuff about this race specifically and a little bit away from the package and the track. This race is kind of a tale of two drivers. It wasn't exactly the two drivers we thought it was going to be. And then a third guy just kind of launched himself into the mess at the end, as he always does. And we'll get to him. Because he is just a lovely fella and the star of every show anymore. Um, let's talk about the guy who dominated the early stages of this race. And the guy who had the fastest car for median lap rank. And that's Martin Truex Jr. I really thought that this was going to be his weekend. He also turned the best lap of the race. All of uh, half a tenth faster than the second fastest guy, William Byron. And we flip over to the fourth quarter. And he is just .02% off of the fastest guy, Kyle Larson. But they made a mistake. They got stuck back in traffic, and uh, that was all she wrote. Restarts are important. Truex couldn't make it up through the field. Ben, what 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 are your comments on Truex? I, I kind of am forgetting exactly how he got himself buried late in the race. Yeah, so it was when him and Ross were racing for that stage two win, and Ross was trying oh, to keep Daniel on the lead lap. That yeah. was a great race there at the end. That was that's what racing's supposed to be, right there, folks. I'm going to stand by this one that that was completely clean on both parties. It was just a racing incident. Yeah, no, I 100% agree with that. Um, obviously, Ross, he's trying to help out his teammate, try to keep him on the lead lap. We've seen drivers do that countless races in the stage racing eras. Nothing new to that, nothing wrong with what Ross was doing there. I think it, it was just a matter of Martin is going for that stage win, right? And so Martin dives down into three. He's expecting Ross to run the line he'd been running, which was higher up towards the wall. And, you know, Ross just kind of comes down, like maybe half a lane, uh, checks up a little early for entry. Truex gets in a little too hot now, and he slides up, taps the left rear of Ross a little bit. Ross gets up in the wall, bounces off, you know, hits Truex and causes Truex to spin. You know, obviously, Martin was pretty frustrated with Chastain on the radio, but you're going to have that when, you know, it's Ross and he's been the common denominator in so many incidents. Um, but this wasn't his fault. And it's clearly, that's not his fault. This is just two guys racing hard, 
uh, for the stage win there. And one of them's trying to help out their teammate, keep him on the lead lap. Because Daniel, I mean, Daniel had that speeding penalty uh, that got him stuck back in traffic. So, I mean, yeah, I agree with you. No, no real uh, fault there for Ross. Yeah, yeah, for sure. I, I agree with that. Um, but we'll, we'll, we'll talk plenty about Ross here eventually, but let's stay focused on Shrek's for the moment, because if I was going to blame that incident on anybody, I was going to blame it on Shrek's, but I, I feel like that was a, just a situation of he's going for the stage win there at the end, gets in a little bit hot. If I will say though, if the roles are reversed there, the whole world is blaming Ross Chastain for that incident. And you could debate whether that would be rightfully so just because of the history. Um, but yeah, just kind of got in there a little bit too hot. And it's really a shame that that happened because if Trex just gives up that stage win, just as like, you know, we, we didn't get it. I think there's a high probability he goes on to win this race because his fourth quarter median lap rank is just barely off that of Larson's and Larson led the, in the bulk of the final stage, pretty much the whole thing. And uh, Trex was mired back in traffic and still putting up lap times close to that of, uh, of Larson. So I feel like he'd have been really in for a good shout at a win. Um, but no such luck for Martin Trex Jr. Uh, let's move on to the guy that arguably should have won this race if it wasn't going to be Truex. And that is Kyle Larson. Uh, it's interesting because if we actually look at the stat sheets, Larson's name doesn't quite pop out the way that you would expect it to on median lap alone. Um, he, he was fastest in the fourth quarter, as we already mentioned, but he had, he's actually fifth in median lap rank behind Truex, Byron Chastain and Kyle Busch. Um, and as far as best lap rank goes, he is seventh in line, a full 1.3% off of Truex's best lap. But Larson's just an absolute wheel man, so that kind of doesn't apply to him. That's kind of where I'm thinking on Larson. Yeah, and you know, I think a lot of it in regard to his median lap rank also has to do with the fact that I, I believe it was during that first caution uh, for fluid on the track, um, he had a bad pit stop, ended up back in 24th, and spent pretty much the rest of stage one and a large chunk of stage two just trying to get that track position back. So I think because he was, you know, back deep in traffic like that, um, I think that probably hurt his median lap rank a bit. Yeah, that's true. That's true. I would agree with that. Um, I had kind of forgotten about that, that he spent so much of that early portions of the race mired in traffic. So that probably tanked his median a little bit, just like Trex has got hurt a little bit at the end. So maybe those two cars were pretty easy. Even also want to touch on Larson for a bit, seeing as he is still leading the uh, restart retention rate category. And I just want to talk about the validity of that stat for a moment, because this weekend, Kyle Larson's retention rate on non-drafting ovals dropped by 4%. Um, and despite that, he spent a lot of restarts mired deep in the field. And there's always been this wondering that does restarting further back boost your stats? And Larson's kind of proved this week that that didn't really happen. He, uh, he might've gotten a little boost from it, but he only gained a net of three. Whoa, whoa, no, that is not, that's Bubba Wallace's net this weekend. Where is Kyle Larson's net this weekend? He went three for five on retentions that I know off the top of my head. He actually lost a total of four positions. Um, and I will note that those restarts where like the one where he and Ross wrecked, if it's a one lap restart or one corner or whatever, that's not factored in. So he didn't mm -hmm. lose positions on that. He just straight up on normal restart restarts alone uh, lost four positions in total. 
and his net dropped a little bit because he went three for five, which is still not bad. Um, just maybe not ideal for him, but definitely came in handy being an outstanding restarter this season, uh, this weekend as he had to work his way through the field to get up there in the first place. Yeah. And I mean, what you're saying about, um, the restarts deep in the field, I I tend to agree. I don't necessarily think that that's going to do a lot on certain tracks, right? It, It depends on what track you're at. At a track like Darlington, restarting, you know, back in like the mid 20s like that with slower cars around you, that's not really going to spike your total net because there's just not really a lot of room to operate, right? And so it's more likely if you're restarting back there, you're probably just going to get boxed in by the slower cars, if anything, right? So honestly, I, I would think that having, if he, I don't know how many restarts he had while he was back there, but if it was, you know, more than a couple, I would bet that that hurt his uh his net more than anything else i could check that here real quick um give me just a moment it appears that the five restarts well it looks like there was only well maybe two or three of them were maybe mired back in traffic probably Mm. two two out of the five i would say safely i'd have to go back and really look specifically to figure that out for sure but it looks like it was about two or three out of the five were back there um, there was something else I wanted to note, but I forgot what that was. That's okay. Do you have anything else to say about Larson before we kind of get into the main character again? No, I think that covers it uh, for him for now. All right, cool. We'll get into some more restart data later on in the show because I got a cool stat that I'm working on to share with you guys. Um, but right now, let's talk about the main character of the NASCAR Cup Series, the guy who was the third fastest car per median lap this weekend uh, behind Truex and Byron. In best lap rankings, he also had the third best car um, behind Truex and Byron as well. And in the fourth quarter, he still had the third best car behind Larson and Truex. And yet he found himself um, pinned up against a leader in the wall um, at the end of the race. Mr. Ross Chastain is the most exciting thing in NASCAR right now. And personally, I believe the best thing NASCAR has going for it. That being said, is what he has going what's best for Ross Chastain? That's debatable. Ben, where do you stand on this whole issue? You can talk about Chastain as a talent. You can talk about his decisions racing-wise. You can talk about his speed this weekend. Just start us somewhere. Yeah, Ross Chastain obviously has a lot of ability as a race car driver, right? Um, that car is fast pretty much every week at all different types of tracks from road courses to mile and a half to short tracks to super speedways. Um, he's consistently, you know, in a different class than his teammate, Daniel Suarez. They should theoretically be getting the same quality of equipment. I'm fairly certain they are getting the same quality of equipment. Right. And so we know how good of a race car driver Ross Chastain is, is capable of being. Um, his problem is like you were saying, his decision-making. Right. Uh, I'm not even going to say it's his race crash because I think when Ross Chastain is is making good decisions, his race craft is pretty solid. And I know that kind of goes hand in hand. But, um, you know, his ability to control the car in traffic is not really his issue. No, I agree. And I'm going to jump in real quick and then let you go again, because, like, let's think about what Ross did yesterday up until the finish or through the finish of stage two. Heck, before that. Think about how Ross drove up until the last sequence of restarts in that race. Even mm-hmm. even further than that, the last restart that ultimately took him out up until that point, 
he's one of the best drivers in the field. And then things just happened. Go ahead. Right. And so you can see that Ross Chastain has the ability to race wheel to wheel, door to door, whatever, uh, race hard and be clean and make the passes. Right. He has the ability to do that. His issue is when he gets, I don't know if there's, I don't want to say there's like a switch that he flips, but he just seems to get into these situations where he just gets a little bit too aggressive and he makes a decision that is just objectively, you know, poorly thought out. Right. Um, and I mean, it, most of the time, you know, really up until today, it hadn't really bit him the way this just did. Right. Um, you know, he, late race restart uh he's got the chance to win this race right he doesn't he doesn't need to drive kyle larson up into the wall like that he doesn't need to do that you know i know larson had did it to him a little bit the restart before but if you know you go back to the restart before that ross did it to kyle first right so he he didn't need to drive kyle all the way up into the wall like that yeah i don't i don't know about that one ben i'm gonna cut you off again because here's here's where i'm thinking man Let's be honest. Let's be completely real. If Larson clears in there, does Ross Chastain even get a shot at winning that race? It's unlikely. Probably not. Okay, so then it's really more a question of philosophy of is winning absolutely everything? Because if winning is truly absolutely everything, then Ross probably should have gone bigger. But if the points lead is worth something, which the man somehow still has, that says a lot. Um then maybe he needs to change the way he's driving. Like it's, it's a question of philosophy that I think has only been put in place because of the playoff format we operate under. I don't think mm -hmm. that Chastain would even be an, would even be a factor of an issue. He would never be driving this way if it wasn't for the system we're under. So now we're in this question of does he need to change? I, I, I don't know because if winning is truly everything, then he probably should have gone bigger. Well, the the way I look at it is, you know, at, at this point, like with that move, he took himself out of a chance to win, right? And yeah, you're probably right. Like if he does not clear Larson in that corner, yeah, it's it's a much more difficult position for him to win. But, he's got to at least keep him side by side. Uh, if he yeah. keeps him side by side, he's got a good chance into three, but he's not keeping him side by side with Larson on the outside who's in a better car. And I think they both know that. Yeah, and I mean, my thing, though, is that, like, he didn't give himself a chance to find out what would happen if they make it through that corner. You know what I mean? Like, you, as a race car driver, you kind of got to understand that, like, there are going to be some days where you might run second, and you got to be okay with that. You can't have this mind, even with this playoff system, you really can't have this mindset of, you know, I'm either going to win or I'm going to wreck trying that's not gonna work for you in the long run you know financially for the team that's not gonna work uh in terms of his relationship with the other drivers it's not gonna work because now you're gonna have you know 30 other guys in the field who are gonna race you extra hard because of the way that you're running people over that's to me that's the biggest issue right is that now he's he's not gonna have anybody cutting him breaks he probably hasn't had anybody cutting him breaks for a long time at this point and I think that more than anything probably hurts his chances to win races more often, right? Is that I think he is probably having to fight other drivers to to make passes a, a lot more than 
you know, maybe a cleaner driver like, uh, you know, William Byron might, right? Um, I, I think that's probably a big factor in, you know, why we haven't seen Ross win more races. And it, it, he's going to have a really hard time winning this championship if this is what, if this is how he's going to keep racing. I mean, eventually it's going to catch up, right? Like laws of law of averages or whatever. It kind of says like he, he can't keep driving this way, running into people and not getting the consequences of you know, that contact. And this is the first time we've really seen it happen. Um, but to me, that could easily continue to be the case if he doesn't change something. And I think that's really the the issue here is that if he doesn't change and he keeps running into people the way he is, just, you know, kind of clumsy, just like clumsy pass attempts like this one, um, he's going to continue to damage his car, hurt his chances of winning, um, you know, sour his relationship with other drivers on the track. Um, Potentially, even with his car owner and his crew, they keep losing money, uh, having to repair cars and whatnot. It, it all adds up eventually. Yeah, I, I got a few comments on all of that. And I'm going to kind of wrap us up on this incident in particular and move into Chastain as a whole. And I think that we've kind of taken our sides here that I'm going to come out a little bit heavier in defense of Chastain. And you're going to try and get him to you're, you're going to take the side of that. He should just cool it a bit. Mm. And I don't know if I, I don't know if I disagree that he should cool it a bit, but I do think that people need to look at this, um, with, with some sort of respect for what he's doing as I'm watching this replay right now, what he did almost worked for him guys. Like here's, here's, here's what I'm seeing. If you actually watch the replay, they're, they're door to door. When they first make contact, Ross has barely got a nose in front. This sends Larson up the track a little bit. He collects it, and Larson choose to, chooses to lift. If Larson stays in it here, they stay door-to-door, and Ross bounces off of Larson's door and keeps hammer down and probably clears him off the corner. But because Larson lifts, instead, when Ross comes up the track, because he just doesn't care where Larson's at, he hits him and wrecks himself into the wall. Again, should he have done that? No, that, that's his terrible decision. But regardless, it almost works out for him. And this is what confuses me about the man is he does all this stuff time and time again. And even this week, I would argue that he came out even with Larson. He did not. He didn't come out ahead this time. He certainly didn't come out behind. But prior to this, every single incident he gets into, he somehow comes out ahead. He was ahead in the Noah incident before Noah came up to him. And then he was the one that hit him. Now he's really ahead. You think about that Denny Hamlin thing. He came out ahead of Hamlin pretty much every single time. Like, it's just, when is it actually going to bite him, you know? And I think you're right. It, it, there's probably some, some passes that Ross would have an easier time rate making if people were just respected him more because he showed them respect. But it's also like, I think Ross is kind of getting to a place now, particularly with a guy like Denny Hamlin, where like, He's racing the people with respect that he knows he ought to race with respect. And there's some guys where he knows he can probably push them over a little bit. And so he does, you know? Yeah, I mean, I don't, I don't doubt that. I'm sure he probably has in his mind an idea of the guys he's racing with that he thinks he can push around a little bit. I think that's also kind of his default, right? But I think at oh, this definitely. point... Definitely. Right. I think at this point, you're right that he's kind of figured out, okay, well, there's some people I think I can push around a little bit more than others. Um, but the, the problem's gonna, gonna come when those guys eventually start to push back, right? Like, I think if you, if you look at this incident, right, 
there's a world here where that whoever that second place driver is on the outside, maybe not necessarily Kyle Larson, just because of their history uh, recently. Um, there's a world here where that driver on the outside maybe lifts a little bit and lets Ross clear him and tries to cross him over instead, right? Because like you you watch the way like i'm looking at the replay too and you you see the way he's coming up the track i think if kyle's not there ross is either gonna have to lift or he's getting into the wall anyways yeah he's he's lifting for sure like ross is thinking right there uh, what i'm assuming ross is thinking there is that he is gonna clear larson on this stick up the track and then Mm -hmm. he's gonna have to really grab some brake to keep it out of the fence and Larson's going to come back underneath of him. He's either thinking that, or he's thinking what I originally thought when I saw the replay and was, well, he just doesn't care. And he's hoping he hits Larson square wheel, wheel to wheel. Yeah, it was, I think it was probably, I think he's trying to have him fully cleared there when he's sliding up. Right. I, really I think that's that one. Yeah. I think that's probably the thought in his head is I'm going to fully drive this thing down into the corner, slide up and try to clear him. Right. And the problem with a move like that, because I mean, it's just, it's clumsy. Like the, the problem with a move like that is that now he is fully committed to that when he inevitably here is not able to fully clear Larson, he's kind of like at this point, he's got nowhere to go. He has to slide up. Like he probably got halfway into that move, realized, oh man, this is not going to work. I'm not going to clear him, but it was too late. He, there's nothing he can do short of just, you know, maybe slamming the brakes but like even then like that that's just gonna stack up everyone behind him he's gonna wreck anyways like there was nothing he could do at that point because he just put himself in a almost no win scenario yeah that was uh that didn't look great i'm gonna be honest as i'm watching this i think that it looks something like me playing the f122 video game except the the good news is is when i do something dumb like this where i think i'm going to clear somebody i can hit the old flashback button and i can just go back and instead of trying to clear them i can just sit back and like try and get the run off the corner you know what i'm saying like mm-hmm. you try the aggressive thing first and then when it doesn't work you just take two on it but unfortunately that's not how this is going to work out for mr ross chastain he's gonna it's, it's a one take scenario here also yeah, and I- to whoever made the the meme this morning on Twitter that I saw, I can't remember the name. If I, if I remembered it, I'd give you a shout out, but it was the, the office meme where Michael's on the phone uh, with somebody and he's like, I really want to fire him. You can't do it without cause. Well, it's because I don't like him. And that's like Cliff Daniels <laughs> to Chevrolet. Oh, I thought that was so funny. I laughed at that for way too long. So whoever made that, that was, that was great. <laughs> Yeah, I missed that. I wish I saw it. <laughs> I, I'll send it to you if I if I see it, it pop up again. But it was hilarious. I want to move into Ross as as a whole, though, across the season, um, and use some move away from this incident specifically and talk more about what this is going to do down the line. Because I think it's interesting. People have been mentioning like that maybe this driving style isn't going to work out for him, and that he's costing himself wins by doing it. But here's an interesting stat I pulled from a year ago. Last year, Ross had the fastest car per median lap rank in three races. He converted one of those to a win. That's one out of three with the fastest car. On face value, that does not sound great. But if we remember from David Smith, uh, in the Gen 6 era, the fastest car won roughly 40% of the time. And since the dawn of the Gen 7 era, uh, it's looking like that's more closer to 20% of the time, which puts Ross right in the middle 
there. That seems pretty normal to me. So it's not necessarily costing him wins. What I think Ross is more doing, and we saw it this weekend, he didn't have the fastest car. He had the third fastest car. Is it maybe time that the man just takes third place when he's got the third fastest car? Because I think that that's what's happening here, is he's thinking that he can win in that car that's just a little bit less. And you think about you think about who he drove for in the Xfinity Series. You always had that JD Motorsports car, the truck series driving for Nice. Sure, Nice had a little bit more Chevy help once he got there, but let's be honest, those things were probably not the fastest truck, fastest car in the field. He was mm-hmm. able to drag that up the order. Now he's in a car that's a top five car. It's not always a winning car, but it's a top five car. And so then he thinks he can just drag it up to the win. And maybe maybe that's what needs to happen here. Is he just needs to stop. Stop going for that one more and just realize that this is what the car has. Let's just get it home there. Yeah, I think you hit the nail on the head right there. Because another thing to consider is that there's a reason he can, you know, kind of get more out of the car, so to speak, in trucks and Xfinity. And that's because you have lower tier drivers in those series, right? You got a lot of young drivers who are inexperienced uh, or you got a lot of, you know, I don't want to say bad drivers, but you know what I'm trying to say. No, um, you have you have younger guys that haven't raced yeah. that much. The Cup Series is hard for a reason. You're racing Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson, who are arguably two of the best talents in the world right now. Right. You're week in, week out racing against the best stock car drivers in the world. Well, um, okay. Let's just talk about the field split here. When Ross went for the Truck Series Championship in, was that 2020? Or was that, what year was, it was- that? I want to say it was 19. Oh, it was, it was 2019. He lost it to Matt Crafton, who a solid driver. Third place in that championship was Brett Moffitt, Stuart Friesen, Austin Hill, Johnny Sauter, Grant Enfinger, and Tyler Ankrum were your playoff drivers. Um, not a single one of those guys is in cup right now. I mean, I'd say that Enfinger and Crafton are both pretty legit. I'd say Moffitt's pretty legit. Uh, Johnny Sauter was kind of on the tail end of his career there, but he was he was still solid. It's just, it's a, it's a decent group of guys. Don't get me wrong, mm-hmm. but it's not Denny Hamlin and Kyle Larson and Byron and the whole crew. Like, right. it's just not the same. Right, and you can look at the same thing in Xfinity, especially in his JD Motorsports days, where he's not even going up against the best of the Xfinity field. He's going up against a lot of the mid-pack Xfinity drivers, which is a lot of inexperienced pay drivers. Oh boy. Here, I'll just read you this list. Ross Chastain finished 10th in the 2018 Xfinity Series season. Um, the four guys that finished just in front of him, uh, starting with ninth place, Brandon Jones, eighth, Austin Sindrick, seventh, Allgaier, sixth, Matt Hift. Mm-hmm. Then below Ross Chastain, those four positions, we have Ryan's, uh, Ryan Reed. I don't know anybody that remembers Ryan Reed in that wow. 16 <laughs> for, for, uh, for Roush. Ryan Truex, I don't know what he was driving, but Might have been with uh, colleague, the colleague car. Oh, you're yeah, right. Back yeah, back before colleague was like you know a solid Xfinity team. John Hunter Nemechek, um, mm-hmm. in a Chevy. So I don't remember. Was he that driving was with GMS? Oh no, with GMS. Oh my I think it was the GMS twenty three. Yeah, you're that right. Team was, yeah. Mm. Did he start that season in the forty two and then move to the to the twenty three? I think is what happened. Maybe. I think the year before he ran part-time with Reddick in that car, maybe. Oh, yeah, you're right. You're right. And then right below uh, John Hunter Nemechek is Michael Annette. So just not the same crew of people that he's, he's pushing up against. 
Right. And I think that 2018 year was when he got a couple races in that Chip Ganassi 42. Chastain did. Yeah. Right. But the majority of that year, I think he's still with JD Motorsports. And so, like you're saying, um, he's racing against there's a lot of mid-pack Xfinity guys he's going up against in a mid-pack car. Right. And so as a, you know, a really solid driver, then when you're going up against lesser drivers who maybe aren't getting as much out of their car, then yeah, it's easier to finish better than, you know, someone would think that car should be finishing. But with the Cup Series field, and especially the front of the Cup Series field, you know, the top eight or so drivers, you're not doing that. You're just, you're not. There's no more, like, there's no more, um, you know, getting more out of your car, you know, make, taking a fifth place car and winning with it. You're not, like, you're not doing that without some sort of, like, extenuating circumstances like a wreck or what have you, right? But you're not just, you know, raw talent driving the crap out of a fifth place car and just willing it to be faster than, you know, Kyle Larson with the fastest car. You're not going to do that. It's just, it's not going to happen. And so that's why, you know, a lot of young cup guys really struggle because they got to learn that you got to just, if you got a 15th place car, you got to finish 15th with it. And if you, if that's your focus, just getting the most you can out of that car and not focusing on, um, you know, trying to, to run with a guy with a, a faster car than you that you just can't keep up with and, you know, pushing the car too much. If your focus is just getting the most out of your car, that's when you're going to start to see guys, you know, finish, um, you know, better than you think they should. Right. You know, like you think about someone like Michael McDowell um, or like what Todd Gilliland's been doing this year. I was going to say, let's watch Michael McDowell because Todd Gilliland's one point behind him right now. Right, right. And it's because we'll get you got to Todd Gilliland later in the show, I hope. Yeah, of course. But uh, you got these drivers who, you know, they're starting to understand these two guys specifically. Um, they know what those cars are capable of, right? Like, as good as Front Row's been this year, they're not going to win a race on raw speed in all likelihood, right? And so they're saying, well, I'm going to get the best out of this car that I can. You know, whether it's 15th, whether it's 20th, whatever, that's what they're doing. They're just getting the most out of that car. And then when you have, they are able to take advantage of that and get good finishers, better finishes than you think they would. Let's play a quick, let's play a quick game. We're going to move on from the Ross Chastain saga. We've been here for way too long. Um, it's fun. Let's not get that wrong. And I think we now know what, it, what, what our actual consensus is on what Ross Chastain needs to do going forward. Whether or not that means anything is completely irrelevant. Oh, I forgot. Guys, we're just going to, we said we were going to touch on Justin Mark's comments. We did before the show. We don't really have time for that anymore, but I'm just going to briefly mention them and you can, you can circle back on this if you want to, when I stop. Uh, Justin Marks basically said that Ross Chastain is going to get a stern talking to from the whole team and that they're going to deal with this. And I think that that's terrible news for NASCAR as a sport because I hope Ross doesn't change for the sake of NASCAR because he's making good headlines. Um, but I think that I do think that if the, if Ross is able to be if Justin's able to actually get to Ross, I think that the change we're going to see is going to be very positive, and I think that we're going to see a very lethal uh, Ross Chastain going forward if Justin Marks is able to pull off what he what he wants to. I think. Yeah, I agree. I think the only thing Justin needs to be worried about is if he pulls the reins a little bit too tight on Ross and, you know, gets him driving a little bit tentatively. But I don't think we need to worry about that. I, yeah, I was concerned I, about that when I first heard the comments and then I looked at myself. I'm like, who, what am I thinking? That is not going to be an issue. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think you're right. And I think um, 
it'll be better for Ross, I think, down the road if he can kind of find a nice little balance between his aggression and his patience. Absolutely. Um, I want to play a quick game here before we go over to uh, the looking back at our median lap ranks for the week. How many factory-supported cars are behind the front row cars in the point standings? Behind? Yes. Um, well, so I know Austin Dillon's back there, so that's one. Uh, there's one. Um, I know Harrison Burton's back there, so that's got to be another one. Um, yep, that's two. Okay, let's see. Um, I think probably is is Cindric still behind them? Austin Cindric this week has cleared Michael McDowell. He is seven points ahead of the front row. <laughs> oh, okay. All right. Moving um, up. All right. Yeah. Good. Good for Cindric getting out of the basement there. Um, I imagine. I mean, I, I'm pretty sure Chase is still back there, but that's like a specific circumstance. Chase is back there, but I wasn't going to count him. Yeah. Um, so then I guess, um, now mind you, if Chase had, well, I guess he's been out for a while, but if we gave him like 60 points, which was the Hendrick penalty, he'd be mm -hmm. just barely above them, but that, that doesn't matter. There's more back there. Are you giving up yet? No, I think, um, it's gotta be some SHR cars, right? Oh, we're on it. We found it. It's gotta be, is, I, I think Briscoe, I think is a little higher. Briscoe's so actually I think... currently the last car in the playoffs. He's ahead yeah, of yeah. in the standings. Yeah, I, I, I thought Briscoe was high enough. So I guess, I mean, it's it's got to be Almirola and, and Priest probably Indeed. too. There are currently four factory-supported teams below the front row cars. Uh, those would be Eric Almirola, Harith and Burton, if we count that one. Uh, Austin Dillon and Ryan Priest are all below the front below the front row cars. Chase Elliott is as well, but that's kind of a different circumstance. Mm -hmm. uh, now, here's another interesting thing. I want to know how many points Alex Bowman has. We'll play that game later. Right now, let's get back on track of finishing up Darlington because we've been talking about this forever and we're not done yet, guys. Um, solid run by Brad Keselowski and Roush Fenway Racing this week. Let's talk about RFA. Mm -hmm. Brad getting another top 10 as for Chris Busher. I think they said like this is the most top 10s in a row for that team in like seven years or something. I don't remember exactly what they said, but it was something impressive like that. Mm -hmm. um, eighth fastest car in the fourth quarter for Brad. Um, tenth fastest car across the whole race. It's a, it's a great effort from the team. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, starting to see the effects of Brad taking an ownership role in that team and kind of helping them get back to the level that they should be at. Um, obviously, you know, last year's his first year being there is going to take some time to implement those changes, um, which, you know, could, could explain some of their struggles, especially early on in the season. But I think now we're starting to see, uh, what Brad was kind of brought over there for. You know, and I think you're kind of starting to see it pay dividends now. And our boy, David Smith making a big yep. difference over there. I'm sure. Yep. No. Yeah. yeah I mean, it didn't surprise me at all when I first saw David announce that he was going there just because I know Brad Kozlowski is a super analytical uh, type of guy. So I'm sure all, all of that stuff, everything I'm, I'm sure is really helping that team start to right that ship. Yeah. Rip Motorsports Analytics. Uh, that's the reason I started auto racing analytics is because I was going to miss David's stats so much. So shout out to them. Don't worry, guys. I'm not going anywhere just because I got hired by a race team. We're, we'll be here for, for a long time, I think. Um, moving on from the RFK.
I mean, Chris Buescher as well. Chris Buescher just kind of found himself a solid finish. Um, I don't actually remember where he finished, but I do remember him having a top 10, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah, he he finished 10th. Um, But that that was the 24th fastest car per median lap, so just kind of survival of the fittest. Oh, I just remembered something we have to talk about. What was the deal with the restart order on the final restart? After yeah. All of those cars were involved in that wreck. NASCAR, what are we doing? Like, Yeah. Over, we're It was very much involved in that accident. Yeah, we're overcomplicating this. Like, you had guys like Bubba and, and a couple other guys miss the wreck and drive by these guys as they're wrecking. Yeah. And then finally, the smoke clears and like, yeah, Harvick limps away and Elliot limps away, Kozlowski limps away. But, like, what do we do? I don't care that Elliot maintained caution speed. He hit yeah. the car in front of him. Like, like he crashed. He's in the crash. Other Larson guys maintained caution speed, too. He just happened to have Ross Chastain stuck to his grill like a pug. Like, That's what I'm saying. Like, it's just, I don't understand it. Like, in any other type of racing that I could think of, if you're involved in the wreck, you don't maintain your position. You know, I think typically the rule had been um, wherever they blend in after the, once the caution comes out, you know, whatever they blend back in. Yeah, I mean, the only way that gets messy is like, how do you determine involved? Like, you, because you could argue, like, if someone gets sideswiped driving by, but keeps going, doesn't really ever slow down, like, would you argue that they're involved? Like, somebody would. But I think, yeah. I think probably... at that point, you just don't really care. Like, I yeah. feel like. I feel like there's some things like there's always going to be ball and strike calls, but I feel like we need to get it to where the ball and strike calls are things like that, where it doesn't matter. Like, yeah. Did a car that got sideswiped as it goes by get involved in the wreck or not? Well, I feel like if they're up near the front of the field, NASCAR is just going to kind of let them stay. And let, like, let's be honest, if they made it through, like they're, they're going to be damaged too much to, they're going to have to pit. Like, I feel like that'll kind of self police itself. But mm-hmm. as far as like what happened this weekend, that was just blatantly obvious. Like, it yeah. doesn't have to be that difficult. Like, I could forgive them if somebody had gotten sideswiped and they had, like, said that they weren't involved in the wreck. But, like, let's be honest. Chase Elliott was just as involved in this accident as Chase Purdy was when he slammed into that truck on the apron a week ago. Like, mm-hmm. it's the same thing. Yeah, I mean, it's just, it's, it's ridiculous. He was, they're in the wreck. Like, it's just... Yeah. I think common sense can really handle this. I don't even know that you need a specific rule. Yeah. Let's just, let's, let's use the rule that we have properly. Don't rewrite the rule book. Just follow what we already have written down. All right. That's enough of NASCAR. Mm. We're moving on. Um, uh, one, another guy I want to touch on Ricky Stenhouse Jr. Uh, 13th place finish this week. Shouldn't be notable, but when Ricky Stenhouse Jr. has the 16th fastest car, and brings it home 13th and runs top 10 nearly all day, I think it's worth talking about. Yeah, definitely. I mean, Ninth I think... Fastest, or eighth. Ninth. Eighth. Tied for, tied for seventh and eighth. Uh, best lap of the race. Yeah, like, Rick, like you said, ran top 10 all day. Probably would have finished there if it wasn't for that flat tire, and then obviously has the speeding penalty uh, later on. Still managed to get a 13th place finish out of it. Um, another just... Really, really good day from that team. Yeah, just a gritty afternoon. You'll love to see it. Also, mm-hmm. Stenhouse has been down the restart order for a while, uh, in large part because he lost 12 spots on restarts at Martinsville. But he's had two bounce-back weekends, gaining six in Kansas and now three in Darlington. 
Mm-hmm. Only minus eight on the year now. Starting to look a little bit more up for him. Uh, ben, who else do we need to talk about this weekend? Um, I mean, the Fords were, with the exception of Brad Keselowski, seemingly nowhere, if mm-hmm. I remember right. I mean, Joey Logano had the oh, he had the 14th fastest car. Blaney had the 12th fastest car. That's not what you like to see. Harvick. Harvick had the 7th fastest car. Did he run up front all day? I, I can't say I really noticed. I don't really remember Harvick being up in the running order. I think if he did run well, I think it had to be like back half of the top 10 or maybe just outside the top 10 for most of the day. Cause he, de- I definitely don't remember ever seeing him crack the top five. Yeah. I'm, currently looking, the end. I'm looking for loop data so I can find average running position and see if he was up there. Okay. So Harvick actually average running position at 10th all day for Harvick. Yeah. So yeah, a solid run by him. Um, yeah. I, I mean, uh, SHR scaring me, man. SHR. I don't know what they're going to do when Harvick leaves because I feel like Briscoe is dragging that car to where it belongs. And I feel like Harvick and Rodney Childers are just really good at getting more out of that car than maybe it should have, you know, like setup wise. And then Harvick just gets what the car ought to get. Mm. And I don't know. They just, they, it's something's not right there because we know that Briscoe's a really good driver and he's 16th in the points. And we know that Almarola is exactly what he says he is. And that car is just in the back. And Priest, we've talked about this before, but the SHR is scaring me. And Penske is too now. They don't look good yeah. either. And RFK is the best Ford team. Yeah, man. The, the Penske one. saying that RFK is the best Ford team? Like, is that a stretch? No, I don't think so at all. I think they're definitely the best Ford team. I mean, if we look at the point standings, Blaney's currently 7th and Kozlowski's ninth. And then Logano's 12th and Busher's 13th. I, I guess that's a fair argument to be made. Gosh, we, mm-hmm. missed, the, we missed the RFK cars on our preseason prediction. <laughs> Let's be honest, who couldn't have? They've yeah. been on one this year. It's been great yeah. to see. Yeah, for sure. We've um, got to stop talking about Darlington. We have to. But I think real whatever quick, you want to talk about here, just burn through it all so we can get out of here. <laughs> I know. Real quick, we should touch on the winner uh, just quickly. Um, oh, my gosh. But- We've been here for an hour and we haven't even mentioned that William Byron won. This I know, race. guys. Oh. William Byron won this weekend. In case anybody cares, oh my gosh, we've lost it. Okay, yeah, let's give Byron some time in the sun. Uh, second fastest car per median lap rank, uh, second fastest best lap of the race, and was seventh fastest in the fourth quarter. I mean, he was just great all day. This is what mm. the new William Byron is. He's a world killer. He gets exactly what the car deserves, and then just a little bit more than that. That extra one percent. And uh, is going to get good finishes with it. And anymore, that's going to be some wins. The guy is a championship threat this year. And there's one person in the entire universe that called it this year. And uh, he's on the other end of this phone call. <laughs> yeah, I, I would love to take a lot of credit for that. But, you know, I, I can't. I had some help from Denny Hamlin. Um, oh, you know. But yeah, Denny's I think. Guy. Denny's great. For sure. For sure. I think one thing to touch on, though. Um, I can get on the Denny's great train now. Let's go. <laughs> <laughs> One thing to touch right, on real ahead. quick with um with William, um the way he avoided that wreck with um Ross and and Larson, I only caught this because I had the the radio feed playing uh, during the race, and he, when they were talking about the choose, he had specifically he chose the bottom of row two instead of the top because the top had won a lot of the restarts throughout the day. But he chose the bottom because he had said, I feel like Ross is going to slide up into the five. 
if Ross chooses the bottom or vice versa, the same thing will happen. And sure enough, that exact thing happened. Ross drove right through Larson and Byron scoots by on the inside and takes a lead. You know, it just, it just kind of shows that avoiding wrecks is a skill, right? Like having the awareness um, and knowing the drivers around you and their tendencies, that is a skill as a race car driver. And understanding that and being able to, to make a decision like that, which seems small in the moment and seems, I guess, obvious to a lot of us watching the race with the broadcast, right? But you got to remember the drivers have a lot less information than we do uh, when we're watching the broadcast. So for for him to have the awareness of the the people around him and make a choice like that and make it through that wreck, um, it's, it's a good quality that you like to see, especially out of a driver as young as him. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I like it that you bring it up that avoiding wrecks is a skill. Um, and every single wreck that you're involved in is somehow or another your fault. You just shouldn't have been there. Um, and that's why we measure it here at Auto Racing Analytics. And one of these days... Coming up soon, I'll start posting crash and terminal crash rates for this season. Haven't done it yet, but look for that in the coming weeks as well as the restart data. I have it all. I've posted it on Twitter today. I just haven't put it all on the website uh, yet, but it'll get up there eventually. I've got another restart stat that I want to share with you guys, um, but I don't have time to this week because we've been here for an eternity and we haven't even talked about next weekend. We all forgot to talk about the winner. Um, I just wanted to see if Todd Gillen was worth, uh, holy smoke. Todd Gillen finished 11th this weekend. Ben. <laughs> We're never going to get out of here. Oh, my gosh. Okay, so Gillen finished 11th. He's now one point behind Michael McDowell. Um, what did that car have in it for speed? Oh, goodness. Uh, 19th fastest car for the 38 team. I don't even know what to say about the man anymore. Like, I, I don't expect this out of him. And he just continues to surprise us. Like, the front row cars could, could they? Could they point themselves into the playoffs? I don't know. I can't tell. Probably oh, not. I it's wouldn't really expect it. They're 35, they're 35 and 34 points out, respectively. Mm -hmm. It's kind of a stretch, but it's not impossible. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, and I mean, um, I think when they kicked him out of that seat for Zane Smith uh, one of those weekends, I think that kind of, I think that motivated him a little bit. I think that maybe... Uh, kind of made him go to work a little bit more in terms of his um, how he prepares for races. And disclaimer, I have no idea how Todd Gilliland prepares for races. For all I know, he could be the hardest working guy in the garage area, but it's just speculation. Something on my changed. End. Something, something changed. changed. I don't know what it was. Yeah, something changed, it's, and I'm inclined to believe. Harrison Burton right now, by the way. Yeah. In yeah, a and, work car, objectively. Yeah, for sure. And I'm inclined to believe that that had to do with him you know, taking it, taking things more seriously, um, you know, being faced with that threat of losing his opportunity and responding by saying, well, I'm just going to work harder than the rest of you. And I think the, uh, the results are starting to, to show. I think you definitely could be right. But I also think that there's a part of it is I think Todd Gill and there's no other way for me to put it. He he turned a little bit Ross Chastain. Nobody's talking about it, and I have no I haven't been watching Todd Gilliland to know this, but I just feel like that when Todd Gilliland probably got kicked from his ride, I bet he came back and said, Screw being as respectful to the cup guys. I'm just gonna rate them. Like mm -hmm. I, I I have no proof of this, but I, I just have a hard time believing that when you get back in the car, you're you're as comfortable, you're as smooth.
you're as timid, you're as careful around these other guys. You're just like, man, I, I got to get the finish that I need. Like, yep. There's nothing else. Also worth noting, Corey LaJoy's only two uh, two points behind Todd Gilliland. So 20, 21st, 22nd, 23rd. Oh, my goodness. That means Corey LaJoy is ahead of two Stuart Haas cars and Austin Dillon in the point standings and Harrison Burton. Sheesh. <laughs> this is amazing. This episode <laughs> is completely off the rails. To anybody still listening, you're welcome. Um, what else we got? Anything else from this race that needs to be touched on before we uh, before we move on to North Wilkesboro? I didn't think I'd ever be saying that. I know. I think we beat this race to death, though. I, I feel like we could sit here talking about it for another hour, though, but we should probably stop before we lose all of our listener retention. Because <laughs> believe it or not, I can measure retention rates on restarts and viewers. Oh, my gosh. I don't. That's terrible. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back, everybody. And we're back. Time to talk about North Wilkesboro. I never thought that this was going to happen. Guys, the Cup Series is going to North Wilkesboro this weekend. It's for the All-Star Race. I can't wait. I don't have a whole lot of data for you guys, but we're going to try our best because that's really all that we can do at this point. I've already seen some photos uh, from the late model stuff they're doing there. And evidently, the track is already kind of falling apart. So hopefully it stays intact for the weekend. Ben, how excited are you this weekend? Because I think you care more about the the tradition of racing that I do. So this has got to be huge for you. Yeah, no, I'm super excited. I am. This track looks amazing with how worn out that asphalt is. And you have like those little patches of the new asphalt, uh, you know, kind of trying to hold the track together. Um, the way I think it's what downhill going down the front stretch and then uphill on the back stretch, or it might be vice versa. I'm yeah. not sure. Quick, quick time out on the, on the touch of, on the you were talking about the the new asphalt and the old asphalt somebody it could have been dbc this week it was either on a podcast or on twitter somewhere i saw somebody say and i wish i could give credit to this as well that it was going to look like mario kart out there trying to get the gold coins as we're searching oh for i did asphalt. i saw that on twitter oh i can't remember i think a driver said it i can't remember who. shout out to whoever said that i don't remember who you are um but it was hilarious and i could honestly see it being 100 percent true <laughs> yeah no i it's it's gonna be a just oh it's gonna be such a fun race i'm it's so excited i'm currently watching suarez's late model practice se- session on twitter he's got stuff posted on there and it just looks amazing mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I mean, I, I saw some overhead shots of the, the Cars Tour and the ASA Tour practice sessions and just watching these guys slide the cars off the corner. You know, you know they're babying the throttle up off the corner the whole way around. Um, I actually, I was running some uh, truck series race on iRacing uh, last night at North Wilkesboro. It's just, you know, the iRacing version, I mean, it's, it's, it's super fun. You can barely get to the power off the corner. Um, you know, it takes a lot of finesse and patience and disciplined to be fast there it's just it's going to be a great race i think for all the races happening here asa uh tonight cars tour tomorrow night trucks all-stars race it's all going to be great absolutely i cannot wait um a couple couple things to touch on here um the first being well okay let's just okay the first of all, a guy to watch this weekend, the 13 car, Chandler Smith, trying to race his way in for colleague. I don't know if he'll mm-hmm. actually get in, but I, I'm just, I saw him scrolling through my Twitter this week that he's racing. And I just want to touch on him because I think he's an incredible talent and I think he's going to run really well. Um, and I, I, I'm, I'm really high on Chandler Smith. Um, 
So yeah, watch him this weekend. But as for the race itself, man, this asphalt is just done. It's absolutely destroyed and it's glorious. Tire wear this weekend. I don't know what the percentage is, but the answer is yes. There will be all of the tire wear. Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even, are we going to be full throttle on the straights at the end of the runs? I'm, I'm, I think that's in question. Yeah. I mean, I think for sure, if we were in the, the gen six stuff, uh, when they were running 750 on the short tracks, yeah, no, I don't think they'd be getting the full throttle. I don't And yeah, and I think even with these cars, it's going to be a stretch because you have to think they're going to be slowing down so much in the center of the corner. You'd think they would, people would think to shift, right? Because you're just going to, you're going to have the RPM so low. Mm -hmm. But the question becomes, do you want to shift? Because if you shift, yeah, yeah, because if you shift, you're going to get a lot more wheel spin coming off the corner. And so it becomes a a question of, is it better to leave it in, you know, fourth or or fifth or whatever? Um, So you can get to the throttle a little bit easier off the corner, or do you want to downshift so you have a little bit more torque to work with? But are you going to be able to even get the throttle down if you downshift? That's the thing I'm a little curious to see. I kind of wish we didn't have to have that conversation with the shifting, but since we're having it, I think that's an interesting thing to to look at because I think you're going to see some differing philosophies on it. Yeah, I think I think you're definitely you're definitely right there. Um, I'm I'm excited to see what this race does. I'm also excited about the challenge for the teams because North Wilkesboro is going to be really, really rough. That track is going to be really rough, not just as far as like wearing tires, but like the actual physical bumps in the track. And you think about how you have to set this next gen car up to sit so low. Like think about the Martinsville race, how low they had the rear of those cars to try and get the rear diffuser to work. I don't know that you're really going to be able to do that here because you're just going to be mm-hmm. bouncing on the ground the whole time if you do that, you know? So I think that's going to yeah. create a bigger challenge. I mean, for the teams in part, but a lot for the drivers because I think they're going to be missing not just a bunch of grip because of the worn out asphalt, but also because the teams can't actually get their cars optimized. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's, it's going to be super interesting. Um, it's going to be interesting to see if these guys can get their cars to turn in the center. Um, I was having an interesting conversation with this guy, Jonathan uh, Oates, I think his last name is on Twitter. Uh, and we were talking about how with these next-gen cars, because they're so edgy, uh, these teams have been setting up these cars pretty tight. Um, so, you know, if you step over the edge, you're not losing the rear instantaneously. And so now I'm thinking, well, is that going to rotate in the center? Because that's, that's crucial uh, at North Wilkesboro is getting that car to rotate in the center. But especially with how low grip is going to be coming off the corner, it's like, you, are you going to have to set up that car tight and sacrifice some rotation in the center of the corner there just so you can get off the corner? Or do you want the car to turn in the center and just have your driver use their finesse to deal with the back end coming off the corner? Right, so that'll be an interesting thing setup-wise to see which philosophy works there. Yeah, definitely. No, it's gonna be it's gonna be a fun race. I'm really excited for it. Um, it might actually be kind of a. It might not be as exciting of a race. I, I want to let's cool everybody's excitement here a little bit. Whoever wins might win by like 11 seconds. That might happen, mm-hmm. but still, it's gonna be fun either way. And we ought to just respect it for what it is because it's amazing. I've, I love the way that they've kind of rebuilt this track as well with like um, keeping all of the old like uh, Winston Cup font stuff I saw. Yeah. 
um, and just the red and white paint and stripes and all that stuff. I, I just think that that's super cool that they did that. Um, I want to talk about the entry list for a minute. There's 21 guys locked into the all-star race. And I was about to have a big problem with that. And then I started scrolling down the list and I realized that, um, that we just had that many winners last year. And then to start this year, the only guy in the all-star race that didn't win either this year or last year is Brad Keselowski. And seeing as he's a past champion, uh, I'm okay with the past champions provisional. Mm. I don't like provision. I don't like provisionals, but I-, I can live with that one, I guess. But then I look at the all-star open. There's only 16 cars in the open and evidently Ryan Newman's trying it again. Yeah. I see that. Um, who let, let's just, let's start talking about picks. How many cars are transferred from the open? I don't even know what the all-star race rules are this weekend. Do, do you yeah. have any idea how many guys get in? I read it so long ago. I, just, I don't remember. Oh, here it is. Here it is. Um, the open is going to be a hundred laps. I like that. The top two finishers from the open are going to advance to the all-star race. I like that. I actually like mm-hmm. that a lot. I think that's good. Top two. And then there's going to be a fan vote guy. So the old Danica Patrick rule. Oh, yeah. Ooh, sorry. I didn't mean to say that. Um, what are, who are we thinking from the open? I got the list of 16 in front of me. Who, who are you liking? I like Josh Berry a lot. Yeah, I think Josh Berry's a good pick. I think Eric Almarola, I think it's a solid pick. Ford's mm, been I agree with good. that as well. Yeah. Yeah. Ford's have been good on the short track. So I think Eric Almarola is someone to look at. That's a good um, shout. I don't know if this. I, I want to say this track type plays into his hand because you think about like the success he's had at New Hampshire in the past, but mm-hmm. I just don't know with the fact that this place is going to absolutely destroy tires and this thing's a full hundred laps. So yeah. it's a that pretty actually, long all-star open. I'm used to that being kind of a sprint, you know? Mm-hmm. What you just said though, that leads me to another SHR driver, Ryan Priest. I think Ooh, this could play well into so his game. Right. Ryan Priest could have an absolute field day with this all-star open. Kevin Harvick's still the fastest car on short tracks, tied with Kyle Larson, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. So maybe those SHR cars will have speed. Almarola ranks 15th on the short tracks. Briscoe, 22nd. And Ryan Priest, uh, 21st. So, great. Oh, my gosh. I didn't even say that. Those are the wrong numbers. Those are the wrong numbers. Kevin Harvick is tied for first. Um, but there's some things out of order down here. Scratch everything I said. Almirola. Oh no. Did I just lose you? Oh, uh, you cut for like a second there when you were talking about Almirola. Hang on a second. Um, oh, okay. So our recording disconnected. Oh, I don't know when. But it, it, oh boy. Discord requested us to reconnect, reconnecting. Okay. So I think it reconnected like immediately. Oh yeah. That's what it looks like. That's what it looks like. Okay. Um, we're just going to hope for the best. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. This is going to take so freaking long to edit because this episode is so long and there's so Ooh. much. I got. Okay. <laughs> Um, get back into it. So Almirola is the 14th fastest on short tracks. And then who else are we looking for? Priest and Briscoe. Why am I not seeing their names anywhere? Uh, Priest is 17th this year. And Briscoe, oh, Briscoe's eighth. Okay, well, Briscoe could have a day. Either way, mm-hmm. he's not in the open. So focusing on the open right now, the two guys that are going to transfer 
I I really like I really like Josh Berry just because of the short mm-hmm. track background. I think this plays into his hands really well, and I think that the fact that this is the next gen car is borderline irrelevant in this race because I think North Wilkesboro is just such an outlier of a track that the fact he's behind on car um, isn't gonna isn't gonna hurt him. And obviously, he's driving Hendrick car should be solid. And then I I also I like Ryan Priest a lot. I think that. Mm-hmm. Uh, those are the two I'm going with. I'm going with Ryan Priest and Josh Berry. Ben, do you want to get a little bit different, or are you going to stick with me on that one? Uh, I, I'm with you on that. I, I like Priest and Berry, too. Okay. Well, then let's just talk about the other players briefly. Um, Newman? I, I, I could see Newman be in contention, honestly, just because of the situation of the track being so weird, but I don't think he's going to get it. Yeah, I think the Rick Ware stuff is just a little bit too far off for him to win. I think he'll have a solid run, though. For sure. Yeah, I think so too. Uh, Ty Gibbs, I think, is going to look really strong early, and I think he's going to fade late. Is my opinion on Ty Gibbs? Ooh, I forgot about Ty Gibbs being in this field. Ty I know Gibbs. he makes it interesting. That's why I thought you might spice it up on us. But yeah, I for- I, I could see Ty Gibbs making it through. Honestly, I know, I know, and I, I got more names that could make it. Noah Gregson. Hmm. That's a maybe. A Todd Gilliland. I I don't think so. Michael McDowell, I, I just don't think so. I don't, I don't see those guys going toe to toe with Priest and Bowman, or not Bowman. Gosh darn it, um, Barry. Barry, Bowman Barry, whoever's driving that car. Justin Haley is a maybe. I think mm-hmm. if the cards fall his way, we get a late race restart. I could see something out of him. Harrison Burton, probably not. AJ Allmendinger, probably not. Chandler Smith, again, I really, I think tra- Chandler Smith could transfer. I do think that that could happen. I, I don't think he has enough Justin experience. Haley. Say what? I don't think he has enough experience in this car yet. I don't yet. think that matters. I just, I, I think that the, the late model stuff matters so much more, and he was absolutely lethal in late models. Like He's, mm. he's the guy. Short that is true. Thing. Like, you think about, he, he struggled so much in the truck series. He comes to the Xfinity series driving for colleague and is absolutely starting the world on fire. In a series where the car matters more than anything, of every race this year, the car is going to matter more than any other race, I think, here. Or not the car. Bleh. The Xfinity Series, the car doesn't matter as much. And North Wilkesboro is going to be the same thing, and that it matters less here than anywhere else. And I think that plays into Chandler Smith's hands. Yeah, no, I, I agree with that. And, um, yeah, I, I think he's got a shot, right? He ran pretty well. I think it was Richmond, maybe, where he ran that cup race. Um, and ran pretty yeah, he solid. ran great. He ran yeah. great there. Yeah, so I mean, he he has a shot for sure. I think he's going to be a player. I think he'll be up there. I mm-hmm. don't see him beating out guys like Josh Berry and Ryan Priest. Um, I don't either. You know. but I, I think he's going to be in it, and I, I wouldn't be surprised. You know, mm-hmm. I, I think it could. Um, just briefly looking back at speed from that Richmond race because that is a high tire wear track. I have a hard time just comparing. Um, I, I have a hard time finding any races to compare to this yep. because. It's just going to be so different. But Chandler Smith turned the 24th best lap of that race. Um, and he had the, the 16th fastest car in the fourth quarter for median lap. So pretty impressive. I could mm-hmm. see a good run out of him. Um, but we'll just have to wait and see. And then, of course, Corey LaJoy. Um, I don't, I mean, maybe. I just, I don't know. I don't know. I don't want to get my hopes up yet. But it could happen. Probably not. But it could. Yeah, if I'm giving Ryan, another one. If I'm giving Ryan Newman even a breath of a chance i better give Corey lajoy one yeah i think i think Corey's is one that can be a player for sure i just i don't think he'll be able to to beat like a, a josh berry 
I agree. I think that if this race gets, if we get some cautions at the end, I think that this open could turn absolute carnage because everybody's going to want to be a part of the North Wilkesboro all-star race. Mm -hmm. And if it does go complete carnage, that's when we see a, a LaJoy, a Smith, a somebody like that go from running third or fourth to actually getting in. Um, let's move on to the, to the all-star race itself. Um, this is, this is difficult. I mean, usually I can look at data and be like, these are the guys. So I guess we're going to do what we do everywhere every week. And we're just going to kind of fire back and forth until we run out of people that we think could win this thing. I'm going to start with the man using his old number, number 29 this weekend. Kevin Harvick, I think has an outstanding chance of winning this race. I think he could be the favorite. I 100% agree. He was number one on my list of threats for the win. No um, way. How do we match yeah. this every week? <laughs> uh, go ahead. Yeah, I think my number two guy then is uh, Denny Hamlin. Yep. Um, Gosh darn it. <laughs> yeah. So I did use the um, the median lap and best lap ranks on the short tracks a little bit. I did too. Um, yeah. But I also was kind of thinking of, like, I guess more um, – you know, by their reputation, who do we know to be good, um, good at saving tires, right? Like smooth yep. drivers, veteran drivers, they know how to save their stuff. That's why for me, Harvick and Hamlin were my first two. Um, so yeah, Hamlin, he's, he's got a ton of finesse with, when he drives on short tracks. He knows how to save his stuff. He knows how he's got the throttle control. He can handle the, the slick tracks. Um, I think it's going to be a Harvick and Hamlin show for the most part. Yeah, you just, what you said right there, um, you looked at the best and median lap ranks on short tracks, and then you looked at that group of guys and said, who's good at saving tires? That exactly right there is how I found Harvick and Hamlin as well, because Larson is tied with Harvick at the top of the list, but Larson is kind of notorious for wearing his stuff out and running a car mm -hmm. loose. He's probably not going to have any right rear left at the end of this race. Mm -hmm. So Larson could be in with a shout, but I don't see him as much of a favorite as Harvick and Hamlin. I think they're in a, a league of their own. And I think in the league right below them, there's only two borderline three cars. And the first one of those is Computer Man himself, not because he grew up racing on computers, but because he drives like one as an absolute machine. Uh, could, be, could be artificial intelligence. Not really sure on this one. William Byron, the man is so consistent as a driver, like not just with his finishes, but more like just the way he drives his car, the way he's able to replicate lap after lap, after just turn the same lap over and over is unbelievable. And I think that plays into his hands here. Very, a, a whole lot. You won't believe this, but William Byron was number three on my list. Of course. Please tell me that number four is the same, because if it is, I'm going to be stunned and so happy. I don't know. My number okay. four is, is Larson, so no, 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 no. It's Brad Keselowski because Ooh, I Keselowski, do have Brad on my list. Keselowski is the seventh fastest car per median lap on the short tracks, um, with a, a median lap rank of seven. Who's also a veteran driver driving a Ford, notorious for being able to save tires. So, yeah, I mean, that's a solid group of five guys right there. Um, I mean, we could keep going. Do you got anybody else? I, I've got a couple that are not quite on the same level. I got some, a couple uh, long shots. I think one of them I got is um, is Chase Briscoe, actually. For sure. Absolutely. Yeah. Briscoe, same median lap rank on short tracks as Kozlowski. I honestly have more faith in Kozlowski than Briscoe, though. Yeah. Not, yeah. not just in the driver, but 
in the team. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's that's tough to swallow. That I I now trust Roush more than Stewart Haas, but <laughs> oh well. Um, I don't I don't like Ross this week. I don't think that this is the one. For I him. also don't. I did. That's a, I didn't put him on my list at all. I I can't ever seem to go a week without mentioning Ross, and I'm sure that Ross will somehow find a week find a way to make this race about him because he just seems to do that. Yeah. But I just I don't think that this is going to work out for him, and it's not because of what. Um, DBC was saying if they think people are going to get revenge on him in an exhibition race, I just mm. don't think that this is a, a track that I just don't think this suits him. I don't think that this is him. Yeah, he, he seems to me he's just he's a hard charger, and I don't think that's going to work out super well for him on a, a track like this. You know, not to say he's not an intelligent driver. No, you know, I'm I just sure feel like the new NASCAR suits him really well, where restarts yeah. are important and every lap is mo- super meaningful, and you're just supposed to go, go, go. I think that that plays into Ross's hands incredibly well. I don't know that a destroyed, worn-out, borderline unusable short track where you have to save your stuff the whole race is really going to be his his best fit. Yeah, I agree. Um, I got I got two more guys worth mentioning, for sure. One's a Ford, one's a Toyota. Do you know what, who they are? I would think one of them's got to be maybe either MTJ or Tyler Reddick. MTJ is on my list. Go ahead and talk about him for us. Yeah, so I mean, he doesn't have he hasn't had great speed on the short tracks. Um, but I think Martin Truex Jr. When I he reminds me of Matt Kenseth in the sense that like when you think of like a driver who's just super smooth, uh, you know, under control, disciplined type of driver, I think of Martin Truex Jr. It's another veteran guy. Um, I think what he might not have in raw speed, he'll make up for with his intelligence as a driver understanding how to save tires understanding how to be disciplined with the throttle coming off the corner um you know letting the car kind of set in the center um you know being smooth on the brakes all these all these things i think martin truex jr is gonna be able to make up a little bit for his car's pace and i know i went on a whole tangent earlier about drivers not being able to do that at the cup level but i think this track just because of all the unknowns is an exception to that well, you, you just sold me on Truex, and so did the numbers, because Truex's car isn't lacking pace, Ben. Uh, we talked about a while back how Denny Hamlin was supposed to get red hot. It's not Hamlin. It's Truex. In the last three races, his median lap ranks are fourth at Dover, second at Kansas, and first at Darlington. The 19 car is red hot right now as far as speed is concerned. And also, we talk about high tire wear tracks this season. The two highest are Richmond and Darlington. Richmond this year, he had the fourth fastest car per median lap rank. Darlington, the fastest. I just promoted Trex to my top group of guys. He's right up there with Harvick and Hamlin for me. Yeah, I, I can totally see it for sure. I might pick him yet. I'm not sure. Uh, <laughs> the last guy that I want to talk about is Ryan Blaney. I think that this race really suits Ryan Blaney really well. Yeah, no, I, I think so too. I mean, it's, Again, it's the same thing where I think I just see Ryan Blaney similar to Truex, maybe not the same veteran presence, but similar to Truex in the sense that he's smooth, he's a smart driver, uh, he knows how to take care of his stuff. You know, he he ran some cars tour stuff uh, coming up the ranks, so you know that's a lot about saving your tires and, and all that. And so um, I think he he has that background, he has that understanding of of how to do that, and I think that'll serve him well this weekend. Yeah, I, I agree. I think that a t- high tire wear race, save your stuff. I think that plays into Blaney's hands. Great. Um, a late model guy. Yeah, it just, it fits. 
Uh, he's got the same median lap rank on short tracks as Truex does. Um, we look at those high tire wear races, and his name doesn't exactly jump off the list on median lap rank. But I feel like a lot of that can just be talked talked up to Penske struggles this year, and that's okay. Wait, what? Huh? Blaney had the fastest car at Dover evidently this year. I kind of forgot that that happened. Oh well. Um, moving on. I I guess it's just time to pick winners. I mean, uh, oh wait, yes. I'm going to touch on one more thing before we pick winners. Before we pick winners. I previously said that I didn't have a problem with the champions provisional for Brad Keselowski getting into the all-star race. I changed my mind because Blaney's in the all-star race because he won the all-star race. And I don't like that. I don't like, mm. I, I think that we should remove all provisionals. I like Dale Jr.'s move of the clashes for pole sitters and the all-star races for winners. And I think we ought to just keep it simple that way. Yeah. I'd even go a step farther. Um, I don't think it should necessarily just be win a race and you're in. I would be more, I'm more of a fan of making the, the all-star race more of like an elite thing in the sense that like you don't have as many guys in it, right? Because you think about every other sport, making the all-star game is a big accomplishment. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's but something you look think, I also think like usually it would be a bigger accomplishment if we only did winners because mm-hmm. I feel like usually we don't see this many winners. But now in the next-gen era, everything's just so much tighter uh, that we yeah. tend to see that now. And I think that's okay, you know? But what, well, what think, were you going to suggest? I'm kind of confused here where you're going. Well, I, 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 that's my issue with it is that with in the next gen era, it's just you with a lot of it with like the chaos and you know you have like now we got six super speedway races, we got some of these a bunch of road courses and don't you hate uh, on my six super speedway races? I'm a big fan of that. So, well, my only point there with that <laughs> is just to say that the winners still might not necessarily be the all-star caliber teams, right? Um, And so to me, I would almost think maybe just the playoff drivers get the automatic berth. Um, I would be okay with seeing the 16 playoff drivers, which it would probably work out to be just the winners anyways, in most cases. Well, let's just think about this because, okay, we could actually accomplish kind of what you're looking for here without making it the playoff drivers. Cause I don't like making it the playoff drivers, but I do like the idea of winners because if we, what it is right now is it's anybody that won a race this year or last year. Yeah. So yeah. what I feel like they should maybe shift it to is it's from after the all-star race last year until now, mm-hmm. because like Austin Cindric's in off of his win in the Daytona 500. Yeah. So like remove that. Mm-hmm. And that that takes it down to twenty cars. Um, when did Suarez's win come at Sonoma? What did that be before or after? That was, the, a, that was that after, after. He'd be in. Harvick would be in. It looks like about all these guys would still be in. Truex, how is Truex in? Truex hasn't won anything. He might have won an All Star race at some point. Yeah, he's a champion too. Oh, he's a champion. Truex yeah. did not be locked into the All Star race. This is what I mean, right? Like Briscoe. Like... Briscoe shouldn't be in either. He won right. before the all-star race. Blaney. Right, like... Okay. So Briscoe, Blaney, Truex, Keselowski should all have to race their way in through the mm-hmm. Yeah. And I'll, I I do think we should do the open, but I think it should just be just the winner of the open gets in and that's it. I like yes. it that it's only two, but I think we should just knock it even one more. Because imagine if it was between Keselowski and Truex. To even make the race they were both on our list of potential winners for the mm-hmm. things that's what i mean i feel like we, we should make the open 
more meaningful. They would make the open more meaningful in this way, right? Because now it's like, I'll be honest, there are going to be a lot of people who really aren't going to care to watch the open because who in the open does anybody really care that much about whether or not they make it? Right. So you got maybe Corey LaJoy, right? You got maybe Noah Gregson. I think he, he's getting pretty popular, but he's probably not going to race. Pretty passionate in. JJ Yaley fans out there, man. <laughs> right. Like, I mean, I think you'll, you'll have some people who will pull for Josh Berry, you know, myself included, and for Ryan Priest as well. But, like, you don't have big-name drivers in that race. And so you're, you're Especially probably now gonna... that Clint Boyer's gone, man. Like, this yeah. used to be the Clint Boyer special, <laughs> and now, now he's not here. Right. And so I feel like – and it's going back to what I said before. Making the all-star race should be – like, you should have some big-name drivers who don't make the all-star race some years, right? Like, it shouldn't be – Every single big name driver makes the all star race just because of, you know, it's it's all the winners from last year and this year. Like it it should be more difficult, right? Like it, it should be a tighter field. You should be able to see big name drivers miss it, right? Because then it feels like more of an accomplishment when you look at a guy like, you know, Jimmy Johnson or whatever who qualified for the all star race every year. That looks like a huge accomplishment when if you were to have, you know, bigger name guys missing it. Yeah, and that's how I feel about the playoffs too. It used exactly, to bother me yeah. how many guys got in, but now that the field is tightened up, I feel like 16 out of the 30 competitive cars isn't so bad. It's still kind of big, but it, it's not. I I can at it's least not as, get, I can at least get there. You know? Yeah, it's not as bad as it, it was like in like the 2018 19 yeah, era where like you know there was young guys hard. hadn't gotten there yet. Yeah, yeah, right. It was 18, 19 people. Um, but yeah, I, I think we're on the same page there of just less, more prestige, more prestige mm-hmm. by making it harder to get there. Like, it's and pretty, also, it's a simple formula. And also, they gotta, they gotta up the prize money. It can't still be a million dollars. It's been a million dollars for like 30 years. Uh-huh. I mean, a million dollars back then versus a million dollars now, it's not even close. They gotta, they gotta bump that up a little bit. That's gotta be like, three four million something like that to win you got to make it like a real incentive i i agree i agree but hear me out i'm about to turn this whole conversation on its head are we done with the all-star race like i'm happy we're going back to north wilkesboro but like what if we just got rid of it and we did denny hamlin's bracket thing instead um i like personally i like the all-star race especially if you're gonna bring it to a place like north wilkesboro um I mean, I was always I was always cool with Charlotte to be honest. I didn't really need it to move personally, but Bristol was cool. I liked Bristol. I, I'm a fan of the All Star race. I think, and I think it can be significant again. Um, they just have to make some changes to like you know, structurally to it in terms of you know who's in right. So it's actually dramatic about who does or doesn't make the All Star race and the prize that they're actually racing for, right? And obviously, if you can put on a good show, then it, it doesn't matter, right? Um, but I think if you can, you know, make them race for a little bit more money, and um, you know, make it so it's not a foregone conclusion that everybody's favorite driver makes the race, then I think you get a more compelling product. I just feel like the All Star Race is kind of like what Junior's been talking about with the Clash for a while. Of like, it's starting to lose its identity of what the race is supposed to be. You know, like I, I was, I was actually saying to myself today, and maybe, maybe, maybe this is wrong of me to say, and we're completely off the rails already. Um, but we'll get back to picking winners eventually. Trust me. But like I was thinking today, 
I kind of miss the clash being what the clash is supposed to be, which is mm-hmm. a race before the 500 at Daytona. Yeah. And I feel like when we start rotating the all-star race around, now it's kind of lost what it's supposed to be too. And it's just like, what even is this race supposed to be? Like, can we just nail down what the identity of this race is? Cause like it, one of the things that used to be fun about the all-star race was like the format. Well, now we got a goofy format every week. It's just, we've come up with something even mm-hmm. more goofy for the all-star race. And maybe this is something juniors talked about before. Maybe we need to get the all-star race, be change the identity of the all-star race to be a grassroots race. where like, it's going to this old short track every time and we rotate it every time. And it's just a hundred lap feature. And it's as old school as it gets. No stages, no nothing. It's just straight up. I like I that. Like that. It's mm. just whatever it's going to be, let's make it that and let's allow it to like become a tradition, you know, because I feel like that we've, we've ruined a lot of the traditions of, of racing by just, I'm not a guy that even cares about those for the most part. I just feel like it's like, what do we, what, mm. what's the point of the all-star race? So like, we may as well just make it for points, you know? Yeah, and you make a really good point about, like, the format because, you know, the segments used to be a unique thing. Now it's not because we got stage racing every week and we Which have, like, the last six years. Yeah, I'm, I'll be honest, we differ there. I'm not really a big fan of stage racing, um, or at least not the cautions for it. Um, that's, a, that's a conversation for another day. We are so yeah. far over our allotted time. <laughs> yeah. But Keep yeah, going. I, I agree with you, though. I think, um, you know, I like that, that short track idea. Um, I love, I love it being at North Wilkesboro. I would be very cool with keeping it at North Wilkesboro for a few years, especially if North Wilkesboro is not going to get a points race. Uh, I think this could be a really, really cool event for people to get really excited about, um, now that it's here. But I do like that idea you talked about just going to some other old short tracks, having like a, a smaller field so you can go to some of these smaller tracks, um, and just having like a, an old school race and, you know, for a, for a ton of money. I think I, I like that idea a lot. I agree. I think that North Wilkesboro should get, if this, if the all-star race goes well, I think that we should try and get North Wilkesboro moved on to the cup schedule. And I think mm-hmm. that, that we'll do the proper renovations then to actually be able to do it, obviously. But I feel like then we should make the all-star race a yearly rotating thing. And we need to go to places like five flags, like South mm-hmm. Boston, like Hickory, um, Greenville Pickens, name your name your place, um, Slinger, wherever mm-hmm. you can get. Um, and I, I think that that would be super cool. Bowman Gray, anybody? Maybe, maybe not. <laughs> maybe that's maybe that's not a good idea. Um, but toss it around. I think that that'd be really fun just to make it this traditional race that we that we do once a year. I think that's a great idea. I, I yeah. like this. They should just put us in charge, Ben. I think honestly, I think that's, yeah. Honestly. If you haven't learned anything from this episode, that's what you should learn. Okay, moving on. Ben, who's going to win this weekend? Yeah, so I'm gonna go ahead and put my money right on Kevin Harvick. Um, you know, we touched on it when we were talking about him. Um, they've been fast on the short tracks. Should have won Phoenix. Um, we're good at Richmond. I like Kevin Harvick for the win. I think that's a great pick. Um, that's a that's a that's a pretty simple pick. Um, I like Kevin Harvick a lot too, but I'm going to be different and I'm going to go with Martin Trucks Jr. I, I want to pick Danny Hamlin, but I just, I look at, I'm not a big guy on believing in momentum of a team. I don't buy that. That's mm-hmm. not a real thing, but it's hard to deny the fact that the 19 car has as of recently been just as fast, if not faster than the 11, because Martin Trucks was fourth fastest at Dover. 
Hamlin was fifth fastest or third fastest. Then Hamlin was fastest at Kansas and won, but Fricks was second fastest. And then he's fastest at Arlington and Hamlin was nowhere all weekend. We didn't mm-hmm. even have time to touch on that at, in Darlington, uh, that Hamlin was nowhere, but we don't have time for that. Um, but yeah, I'm, I'm going with Martin Truex Jr. With, uh, with Denny Hamlin being right there too. Harvick will be good. Truex will be good. Those are kind of your main three though. Um, we don't have time to touch on any underdogs. And let's be honest, underdogs don't matter because the only thing that matters in the all-star race is winning because second place hardly gets any money. Mm-hmm. But because of inflation, first place doesn't really get much money either. Okay. <laughs> Moving on. Um, ben, is there anything else we need to talk about? Because we really need to shut this show down because there's no way anybody's still listening to us. <laughs> <laughs> no, I think, I think we definitely touched on everything there for sure. But we definitely didn't touch on everything, but we've, we've run out of time. We are, yeah. we are yeah, Fox Sports point the race is over and we're not interviewing anybody we're leaving um ben where can the people find you everybody can find me at benamato 24a on twitter and instagram got another test session coming up on friday hopefully the car functions or having some engine issues not sure if it's the carburetor not sure if it's um like ignition timing not sure if it's something worse hopefully it's not something worse but we'll find out Sounds like a good time. Sounds like a really good time. Gotta love it when the car just doesn't <laughs> roll off the line. That's just a great day. Um, oh, yeah. If you guys managed to find this podcast without following the Twitter, congratulations. You're really something special. Don't know how you managed. Um, subscribe to the podcast and then share the podcast with all your friends on Twitter or your goldfish, whatever you got. That's fine too. Um, and then follow the Twitter. That's Auto Racing Analytics on Twitter, A R underscore analytics. Uh, there's also links there to the website, autoracinganalytics.com, where you can find. Uh, the complete data, numerical data of all the stuff that Ben and I talk about, uh, median lap averages, best lap averages from the whole season um, this year and last year, restart data, retention rate, and nets will be going up probably this week. And then crash rates should follow the following week. Um, and Xfinity and Fruct data, I'm working on it. I'll get it there. I'm just a little bit behind, um, but it'll get up there eventually. So don't worry about that. Um, yeah, just retweet the podcast, do all the things so that people listen to us. Um, also, should we do a thing if anybody's still listening to this? We should. If you're still listening to this at this point, I want you to retweet the show and I want you to just quote tweet it and say Ricky Stenhouse Jr. is a NASCAR Hall of Famer. And I don't know what I'll do, but I think that'd be really cool if you did that. Ben, final thoughts. Um, my final thought check out the ASA Stars Tour and Cars Tour races. Uh, tonight and tomorrow night. They're going to be on Flow Racing. I know Flow Racing is expensive, so if you don't have it, I'm not going to go suggest you drop 100 bucks. But if you do have Flow Racing, definitely go check those races out. Uh, one of my old Legend Car teammates, Giovanni Ruggiero, made his ARCA debut. He's going to be running the ASA Stars Tour race, too, so that's pretty cool. He's a nice guy. Um, yes, and also Kyle Larson's High Limit Series also has a race tonight. Also on Flow Racing, that one's kind of flying under the radar. Um, but yeah, the great thing about Flow Racing is that they got replays. So I'm going to be watching all this stuff, even if it's not necessarily live. And uh, hopefully the rest of y'all with Flow will do the same thing. Yeah, I'll just mention for everybody, this is actually on the Flow Racing website right now. The guys making late model starts this weekend uh, include Chase Elliott, Eric Jones, Noah Gregson, Daniel Suarez, Chandler Smith, Ty Majeski. I don't see Kevin Harvick's name on here. Oh, there it is. Dale Jr., yeah. Kevin Harvick, 
Brad Keselowski, Ross Chastain, Chase Briscoe, Harrison Burton. That's a whole big list of guys. So if you can mm-hmm. catch the late model racing, go for it. I'm sure that's going to be some good racing. Uh, my final thoughts are this. The first being conspiracy theory. I think they didn't bring the Xfinity cars to this weekend for a very specific reason. And that's that they know that they would have been even harder to drive than the cup cars on the hardest to drive track. Those things would have just absolutely eaten the tires off of them. Oh, that's so um, true. But it's, it's going to be fun regardless. So excited for, the, for all the racing this weekend. And also, quote, tweet the show. Ricky Stenhouse Jr., the NASCAR Hall of Famer. Thank you all so much for listening. This has been S- episode 15. See y'all later.